Welcome to Sex Savvy, where nothing is off limits. I'm Kimberly Resnick Anderson, your host and creator of Sex Savvy. I've been helping couples and individuals achieve optimal sexual health for more than 25 years. I am ready to share my unique insights and sex-positive approach with the world. We'll talk about hang-ups, kinks, fantasies, and function, what's hot, what's not, and most importantly, how to become sex-savvy. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Sex Savvy. I'm your host, Kimberly Resnick-Anderson. The topic of this week's episode is dominance and submission, sex or psychology. And I have the incredible honor today of hosting a professional dominatrix who lives and works here in Los Angeles, Mistress Damiana Chi, who also happens to have a PhD in psychology. She's going to be describing what a dominatrix does, why men and occasionally women seek her services. She's going to be describing the type of scenes and behaviors that her clients are seeking. She's going to talk about owning a personal slave and how after 17 years, she collared him. She'll be explaining what that is for those of you who aren't familiar with collaring. She talks about how BDSM can be healing erotically, intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And she describes four archetypes that are manifested at different times throughout her sessions that include authoritarian, mother, seductress, and queen. So I can't wait for you to hear this. You're really learning from a pro. For those of you who aren't familiar with BDSM, bondage, discipline, sadomasochism. Today, you will uh, be exposed to so many rich and deep concepts around this particular fetish or lifestyle. And um, I think and I hope that you will have a deeper understanding of the appeal. So let's get to it. But before I formally introduce my guest, I'd like to read an email to you that I received from one of my listeners. And the reason I chose to read this email is because I think it very effectively sets the stage and captures the essence of the intensity and compelling nature of today's topic. So the email reads, Over the past few years, I've discovered and am slowly coming into acceptance of my proclivities. That being said, what is it about pain that is so pleasurable? The crack of the whip, the slice of the knife, the space created and held by that electric moment between sadist and masochist. Well, Hurig, if you're listening, I hope this episode provides some insight and perspective. So I'm very excited to introduce my guest for today. Her name is Mistress Damiana Chi, and she is a professional dominatrix here in Los Angeles. Welcome, Damiana. So nice to be here. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. One of the things that I think people are inherently curious about when I mention that I treat people in the BDSM community, they have such trouble relating to or wrapping their head around the appeal of that. Mm-hmm. And as someone who's been engaged in the community for a very long time, 
What would you say? How can you explain to people why there's so much interest in this? Well, um, you know, like the way I described it in my workshop this past weekend, so that's kind of fresh in my mind. I'm going to maybe pull some examples from it. Because, by the way, you actually train women to become professional dominatrices. Not only professional but also lifestyle In their lifestyle. Uh-huh. Fantastic. Yes. There are about half, half the students were lifestyle doms. Okay. And, which, you know, they have partners at home that they play with only. Okay. And so also lifestyle doms. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Oh, so for people who don't understand the difference or what that means, Damiana is saying that she trains women who want to offer services professionally. And then she also trains women who in their personal life engage in this sort of dynamic That's and right. want to learn more about the psychology and the power exchange. Right. Great. Okay. Go on, please. This kind of connection, this, this, this energy exchange, power exchange between two people is so intense and intimate and um, the, the connection is so deep. Um, you know, we connect on all levels. There's an erotic level, there's an intellectual level, there's an emotional level, there's a spiritual level. So this connection is, um, is a way for two people to connect um, very intimately and deeply. And it's very hard to explain if you're not engaged in this type of play already, or if you've never done it, um, or if you're even just new and dabbling in it and you haven't really, haven't dived in. Exactly. I remember treating a man who had a long history of playing in that community, and he met a woman who was not part of that. It was very foreign to her. Mm -hmm. And he said, I don't think I can date you because this is really an important dynamic for me. I don't think I can be sexually responsive without these themes. Uh And she said, "Um, then I'll do it. Just tell me what you want me to do. And he said, you don't understand. Either it's sort of innate in terms of your arousal template, or it's not. And because she was doing it for him, mm-hmm. it didn't work for him. Mm-hmm. And he okay. said, I need to be with a partner who's authentically, er- erotically, and intellectually mm-hmm. responsive to this. Mm-hmm. And she said, that's not fair. Like, I'll do it. And he was like, doing it is different mm-hmm. than feeling it right. and owning it. And, and not, she was devastated. Yeah. It's not about play acting a role. Right. Can you say more about that? Yeah. Um, so I'm a dominatrix. And when I'm doing my thing when I'm doming in a, in a session, in a scene, I'm not pretending to be someone else. This is a real part of me that I'm letting out. So when I say I teach women how to become a dominatrix, it's not really, it's, it's not role play. It's not role play. It's like developing a part of yourself, you know, that's maybe it's a little bit there. Maybe it's a lot there. You're developing it. Let's say you've never been a mother before, and when you're a new mother, you're just, you know, you're just, you're, you're maybe acting like a mother a little bit. But after you've been a mother for five, ten years, you're very much know how to in your mother. You're comfortable in your mother role. You know, I love you know. that analogy. Mm-hmm. It's it's because it's so it's, it's and it's a real part of yourself. It's like you know, and so when you become a mother, it's not like you someone else. It's a it's a separate part of yourself that you've developed. So it's a that's different role. What it is, it's yeah. another role that you've developed. It's a part of yourself that you've developed. And what I've noticed, and I'm curious if you found this as well with your clientele, is that the men that I've treated, primarily men, but plenty of women too, 
They report having been aware of certain themes from a very young age. For example, I treated a man who used to watch the original Batman, like, mm-hmm. you know, on, on Saturday mornings with yes. Adam West. And the damsel in distress was often tied to a chair. Yeah. And he said he remembers at five years old mm-hmm. feeling something in his body, yeah. not just his genitals. And it wasn't exactly even erotic because he didn't even know what that meant at mm-hmm. age five, but mm-hmm. something so exciting. compelling mm-hmm. and exciting. And he couldn't wait to, to find the next woman, you know, tied up or tied in a chair or bound in some way. And then that yeah. was it. He fell in love. He yeah. fell in love with ropes, mm-hmm. not with women, but with ropes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I've heard a lot of men report the same thing. My chauffeur, <laughs> who you saw in the waiting room there, he's actually my personal slave. And he also, um, he said that you know he has a foot fetish and a shoe fetish. Uh-huh. And he said that his earliest memory was when he was about three years old and he was kind of like fighting with his cousin in the back seat of a car. And his aunt was sitting in the passenger side seat and she came over with her foot pressed on his hand and said, you stop that right now. <laughs> and he looked he looked at her foot and just it imprinted. It imprinted. That's the uh-huh. word I use, imprint. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, it's, it can't be undone. No. It, it can't, be, can't undone, be undone. But maybe you could speak to this as well, but some men come to see me because they have a very rigid erotic script. Uh-huh. They're, oh, they're dependent on certain themes in order to complete the phases of sexual response. If they're not holding a shoe, they can't get off. Mm-hmm. And they want not necessarily to get rid of that, but to broaden the repertoire mm-hmm. so that they can be responsive to more than just a shoe. Yeah. So what I do is I assess how much wiggle room there is. Mm-hmm. how much flexibility there is mm-hmm. within someone's erotic template. Uh-huh. And sometimes I can get them to where the shoe or the foot is always going to be a 10. Yeah. Like I can't take that away, mm-hmm. but I can help include or, or bring in something that might be a six or a seven. Mm. And that might be enough, uh-huh. right? So when men are exclusively dependent, sometimes it's bothersome to them. And sometimes they don't, oh, otherwise they don't come see me, right? Mm-hmm. If they don't have some yeah. sort of distress or conflict. So, options. <laughs> yeah. So why are men coming to you? And what are the range of, of scenes that you mm-hmm. uh, create and negotiate with your clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a variety of scenes. So why are men coming to me? So let's see. There is a conscious level and there's an unconscious level. On a conscious level, they're coming to see a woman who is, um, you know, it's very erotic to them to come to a powerful woman figure and to live out a fantasy. You know, maybe they've had a fantasy that they want to manifest and they, you know, so they come. And, and I'm sure people are wondering, are these men who in life tend to be passive or not? More of the time, they are very dominant. In, powerful in, men. Powerful men. In high positions. Mm-hmm. That's what I find in my clinical work. Yeah. These are CEOs and yeah. doctors mm-hmm. and judges. Yes. These are not right. men who, right. who are unaccomplished. So the unconscious reasons why a man is seeking out a dominatrix, and I think there's two levels. The first level is that, you know, he's most of the time a very dominant person in his life. He's dominant in his work life, his uh, relationships, family, whatnot. And so he 
feels a need unconsciously to even out. And so there's this, there's a psychic need to even out those energies. Psychic meaning the psyche, meaning balance. And so when he comes to see a dominatrix and he's submissive to her, he is connecting to the divine feminine in that way where he is actually exhibiting the feminine qualities of being submissive, being relaxed, just being, you know, those type of qualities are, are, are feminine in nature when we're talking about masculine and feminine energies. Not having to make the decisions, exactly. not having to be in charge, mm-hmm. something very liberating about it. Right. At least from what my patients have shared. Yes. And so the other level of why he's wanting connection in this way is I believe that you know, there's a deep need for a man to submit to a powerful female, which he hasn't done since maybe childhood. You know, the powerful female figures in a man's life had been his mother, of course. You know, his mother's telling him what to do from, from birth, in charge of him. Teachers, you know, in elementary school, most teachers are female. So those are other strong authority figures that he's, you know, grown up with. And like you were speaking about in the media, these movies that we see um, with characters that are um, female, like maybe maybe at an adolescence, you know, first crushes, maybe like Vera Fawcett or Marilyn Monroe, you know, these type of... Yeah, iconic. Um, iconic female figures. So those are very powerful figures in his in his unconscious. And so when he's connecting with a dominatrix, she is kind of allowing him a way to connect to those powerful female figures because he is feeling connected to, you know, and I call them archetypes, mm-hmm. um, the different archetypes that I feel lives within a dominatrix are the authoritarian archetype, the mother archetype. Uh, the authoritarian is like a, like a, an authority figure. The mother archetype represents um, emotional support or nurturing. Then there's the seductress, which is an erotic, sexy element, which is kind of like, you know, the, the, the celebrity crushes and things like that. And then the last level is, is the queen uh, archetype. And that one is more... Um, of a spiritual connection. And that one's really hard to describe to people who aren't into this. You know, if you've ever been a submissive and a man and you've been in sessions, you know what I mean by spiritual connection. So there's a spiritual connection to a powerful female that you feel in this in a session like this. You know, there is a need for a man to feel in awe of a woman. Sorry. There is to a, worship. To worship a yeah, woman. I use that word a lot. Yes. There is an innate, primal need, archetypal need that's just, it spans, you know, beginning of humanity. humanity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I believe that's there. And, the, and these, are, these are all the Do you believe it's there reasons. for all men or certain men? I kind of do personally. You do. You think um, every man, whether they're aware of this kink or whatever you want to call it, um, mm-hmm. could connect to this. Yeah. On some level. On some level. I think every man has a need to be in awe of a woman on some level. And, of course, be attracted to a woman, be nurtured by a woman. And then the, the, the last one, and these are the different archetypes I'm going through. The last one is in charge, you know. I mean, yes. yes. I mean, when 
When a man is is just like exhausted from being a man, um, <laughs> the pressures. Of, I, mean, yes. I hear it all the time. Uh huh. High powered people. That's right. Who are like, I just want to regress mm-hmm. or make no nothing. Just be let yeah. someone else tell me Being what to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, and are your clients exclusively men? I have some female clients too sometimes. Okay. Because I um, have some female patients as well mm-hmm. who are who yeah. enjoy going to a dom as well. Uh-huh. Uh but you know, the larger percentage is men. Yep. Would you say 80-20, 90-10? Oh, it's you know, I wish I had more female clients, yeah. but it's, it's more like, like 95 five. <laughs> yeah, okay. like 95 to 99 percent. Okay, okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And before you work with someone in a behavioral way, how much time do you spend getting to know them and understanding their particular fantasy Mm -hmm. and their script and the themes that they want to enact? Because I'm sure it's idiosyncratic. I mean, there are some general Mm -hmm. themes that I think are universal, but then there are some idiosyncratic parts to everyone's story. Of course. And I actually say this on my website that I specialize in customizing a session to who that individual is. Love it. Um, because we are all so different. We are, you know, and so I don't put anyone in a box. I, I mean, you know, there, there's a way to put someone in a box to generally, okay, this is the an idea of where I'm going. But to answer your question, the way I get to know a person before we begin to play is, you know, first he'll email me. That's, that's the first way of contact um, that someone will have with me. And if I, I can already sense from the email kind of like how he writes it, um, if he's a professional or something like that, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean to you? He will um, be more eloquent in, in the yeah, way he writes Yeah, if he is professional like versus isn't, does that affect how you approach him? No, it doesn't affect how I approach him, but I'm like, okay, this person knows how to keep appointments. Got it. This person's not going to be a flake. A flake. This person's going to... I got you. you. That kind of, yeah. That's what I mean. Follow through and professionalism. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. So, um, if this person writes a nice email, you know, I, and I'll, I'll I'll email him back and say, you know, please give me more, say something more about yourself. Great. Um, give me some references from other podoms who you've seen and, uh, you know, when you've last seen them and I I will check references. And do you think that's the standard of care or do you think you go above and beyond? Above? Above and beyond in terms of taking the time to get to know someone. Oh. Because mean, I think there are doms who you someone emails them and mm-hmm. they say, show up Thursday at 3 o'clock. Yes, there's domination houses that you know do that do like a, a form yes like an online fill, fill out this form. Yes. Boom, boom, boom. And then just come show up. Yes. And then the dom that's actually going to be playing with him will have had no email or phone contact exactly. with him. Which, no pun intended, ties her hands behind her back Yeah, in terms of being able to offer a, a mm-hmm. powerful experience, don't yeah. you think? Sure. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's a different level of service. Mm-hmm. That's, you know, um, if someone's... It's wants a to, warehouse level. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh-huh. If you want to go in for uh-huh. a food worship session yeah. or whatever, then uh, then that's, you know, you pay a lower price to go to a domination house mm-hmm. and then you get that. Okay. Um, versus, you know, it's kind of like a massage house. Right. You know, if you want to go in, get your massage, boom, you're out. Or do you want an ultimate spa experience? Yes, you know? that's great. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so, which is what I've offered. Okay. 
I will have, you know, the email communication. I'll have him after he's sent a deposit and I know he's serious. After he we've set up a session date, I'll I'll say, okay, now now write me an email and explain your um your fantasies and your fetishes and, and really get into it. I want to know what your fantasy is and describe that to me. Great. And then, uh, um, you know, I'll read that and then kind of understand more. And then if it's a new person, I'll have a phone conversation with him. Okay. And so a phone interview where we'll talk on the phone. I'll get a sense. So you get an, uh, you know, the level of connection is bumped up a level. We'll hear each other voice to voice. Right. So I can get a sense of who he is. He can get a sense of, of who I am. So we're, we're speaking to one another. I'm getting like, okay, I get a sense of this guy's, you know, he, he's he's kind of shy or, or, you know, he's got kind of like this type of personality mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we actually meet in person, we'll have another talk. Okay. And this is, we're, we're, I'm talking about the first time meeting mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. We'll have another talk uh, before we start. It'll take about 10 minutes or 15 max, you know, depending on how much time he needs okay. or, and I need to, um, assess what he is looking for. So until I really understand what he is looking for and the things that we're going to be playing with, um, the themes, act- activities that we'll be going into okay. spanking, CBT, whatnot. Um, the, Can you say the what fan- CBT is? <laughs> it stands for cock and ball torture. Thank you. And it doesn't necessarily mean torture. Right. Um, it, it can be very light. It doesn't right. have to hurt. <laughs> yes. Yes. For my listeners who aren't familiar with the terms. <laughs> right. Thank you for explaining. And so I'll ask him, you know, what type of domination he is into, what style of domination, you know, and I'll say, and if he doesn't understand that, I'll say, you know, like mild, medium, strict. And then he'll get into it. Like how the, nurturing, how authoritarian. Do, yeah. do you offer the different archetypes too? I don't. You, you make that call in your mind. The archetypes is for me. Okay. It's, it's, that's it's a system of teaching okay. that I use okay. in my workshops. Okay. Uh, but for the man, no. For the guy, he's just going to get it. You know, like, like do you, you want her to be? And, and he'll get it. Uh-huh. And a lot of times he'll already say to me, no, I'm into more of a central dom, uh-huh. central domination yeah. type of session. Okay. Or he'll say, no, I, I want cruel, strict, mean, yes. know, that type of fantasy. And what's most common? I'll get, I'll get both or pretty all, equal. Yeah, pretty equal. Pretty if we're just saying those two. Those are the most common two. If I'm okay, if we're speaking about you know the styles, mm-hmm. um, so it's pretty half and half. So strict versus more nurturing. Strict versus sensual, and they'll strict use that sensual, word. Yeah, maybe it's out on the internet. I don't know, but they they come to me with this strict sensual, sensual yeah. domination. That's okay. what they want. That's what they say. Okay, great. And so, you know, since my style is very versatile, and I um, express all of the archetypes in my style, I'm able to, you know, kind of like I'll, I'll bring those part those parts of me out according to what he's looking for. And if he's looking for something like a strict dom, his energy will usually, you know, like bring that out in me anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. It'll bring out the strict. You are in responsive me. and reactive to the yeah. energetically. What that's is that's right. Yes. That's, this is what the energy dynamic. Ex- yes, is. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And so just for people who are wondering and imagining the range of behaviors or scenes or themes can you speak to that? Mm-hmm. You want to give up some examples? Yes, please. 
So yeah, um, if somebody says they want a sensual domination session, say, and let's say he wants, you know, like he's looking for some foot worship or something, mm -hmm. someone who has a light session will say, you know, I don't want any pain. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely do a session with no pain. That's, that's something that many people think it's, it's say, a stereotype. It, it is a stereotype. They think that, you know, I'm just Whipping, whipping beating up everybody that comes through the door. <laughs> but, I think that is a common misperception. Yeah. But, you know, very often I'll hear people come in that mm -hmm. say they don't want any marks and mm -hmm. they don't want any pain mm -hmm. or, or, or light pain. And so one of those type of sessions, I will, you know, do a, a light spanking. I'll, I'll, I'll bring out the seductress in me and I'll play with his body and I'll say, you know, I'm, I'm using your body you know, for my pleasure. And you're my plaything. I'm going to do with you as I please. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do with you, you know, I'm going to spank you as long as I want. I'm going to play with your nipples as long as I want. And you can't do anything about it because I'm binding your hands behind your back. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's a pretty typical mm -hmm. kind of interaction you might have with someone. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Someone who wants a rarely light session. And... I'm just wondering what my audience is wondering. So I'm yes. going to be channeling them and asking the questions I think they're thinking about. Mm -hmm. Does anyone ever have get cold feet, stop in the middle, change their mind, change it up, say that they want more or less, those mm -hmm. sorts of things? Not with me. It never happens. I mean, wow. it has never once happened wow. in 20 years. Because that's um, a testament to you. Because I... Not that's not the case for everyone. It's so not the case. That's, that's because, really impressive. Well, that's because they know I'm taking the time exactly. they to feel get to sane. know them. Right. And maybe it's the therapist in me. Maybe it's the, the psychologist in me that wants to know who they are. Because, by I the begin. way, you do have a PhD in psychology. I do. I want and to. And a master's in psychology. And well. a master's in psychology. Mm -hmm. So you're not just, you know, talking uh, out of the air, you have your highly trained, sophisticated, educated person um, alongside this role. You are you. very articulate and on a very high level, very Thank evolved you. level. Yeah, my psychology background has helped me a lot in this I profession. Think, I can't imagine a dom, now that I know about you and see the benefits of your training, I think it everyone should have to do mm -hmm. every every professional dom i mean mm -hmm. i don't want to regulate it but i think I <laughs> okay <laughs> we'll talk, it's another episode i think they should at least intuitively understand that they need to right. immerse themselves in these power exchanges and understand what is going on mm -hmm. it yeah. makes such a difference and you'll see this out there i believe it too i believe that bdsm is like 70 to 80 percent psychology psychology in the in the um in the play mm -hmm. and you know during the scene mm -hmm. and before like we're talking about you know and it's all psychology mm -hmm. it is it's 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 an eroticized exchange right of power and i don't know energy yeah that's what and, it is you know i mean we can extend it to sexuality is all psychology. Right, 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 mostly not, psychology. Now right? you're now you're 
talking my language, that's sister. Right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I, that's my mission. That's my brand is everything mm-hmm. is everything that happens to you shapes your erotic life and how you express yourself and what yes. you're responsive to. And then we can go very specifically into your area and, um, you know, break it down even further. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have these men experienced uh, deprivation, like maternal deprivation or... Is there a need to uh, be remothered? Mm-hmm. You know, I can think of a couple of examples, um, but you know, like I have a client I'm thinking about right now who, yeah, he didn't have that good of an upbringing with his mother. He finds our sessions very healing, um, and I don't necessarily mother him like uh, you know, I'm nurturing. I mean, a little bit, but because it's the connection between he and I that is healing. It's, you know, there's a, when we're playing, we are very, very connected. We're connected to, I mean, I can be across the room and he can feel connected to me because it's energetic. Uh, it is, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, if I'm caning someone, he can feel so connected to me um, through the cane, mm-hmm. through, you know, like he can hear my breath or I can hear his, we're connected in that way. It was just like ebb and flow. He's hearing the sound of my voice and feeling connected to me. It's just... It's very sensory, sensorial. Sensory, yeah. and just more than that, you know, just him knowing that I'm, I'm the one that's there dominating him. He feels, he feels the, our connection. Is the goal orgasm? I think a lot of people you know, wonder about I, that. It's not, I wouldn't call it the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a release that happens at the end of a session. Mm-hmm. Um, is that typical? That it, it is typical. Okay. Because it's like, uh, it's, there's so much buildup mm-hmm. and it's very much like, you know, when two people are having intercourse, mm-hmm. there's a, there's a lot of erotic buildup mm-hmm. and then, you know, you release and then you want to release, okay. but the release, it's not the goal of having sex, mm-hmm. just like the release isn't the goal of having a BDSM session. Right. Um, right. it's just kind of like, that's, that's the way that it feels good to end, okay. you know, at, after I have- a high build, high intense I've seen a couple men who don't have orgasms Mm -hmm. during or after play, um, immediately after, and then they may go home and have an orgasm. But the the time with the dom Mm -hmm. is for them, it's enough. It's it's sufficient energetically that they don't need that physical release. Mm -hmm. But um, I suspect that that's more the exception than the rule. Yeah, um, and I find that too. You know, I have people that they don't have an orgasm and that's that's fine because it's not some sessions don't have that intense arch mm-hmm, in the middle mm-hmm. so i would imagine listeners are wondering if the men are allowed to touch you or what the boundaries are around no, that i don't allow it unless i allow it you know <laughs> yeah. you know like if, if there's a if an there's organic a, thing if there's a food worship session mm-hmm. or whatnot i'll i'll say you know so generally, no, you know, and I'll establish that in the beginning as part of the slave training. And if I do allow them to touch me, it's, if it's like a foot worship, you know, the foot, foot worship time, then I'll instruct step by step what I allow. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's a it's not like you are not allowed. You know, it's not like I feel threatened in any kind of a way. It's not like that. You are the powerful one though. You yeah. are the one who uh-huh. is calling the shots. The, the allowing is about, 
I'm telling them what to do. Right. I'm in charge. That's right. You know? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's always through that lens. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Are there things that are off limits aside from touching you? Are there certain uh, scenes or uh, themes that you're not comfortable participating in or enacting in? Sure. There's, you know, I, I don't do brow showers. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, that's, there's not a lot that comes to mind right now, okay. but, um, you know, usually they'll come to me with their limits. Okay. They'll say, you know, no marks, mm-hmm. no blood play. Mm-hmm. Um, what if someone wants marks or blood play? That's no problem. If someone wants marks, I will ask them how much experience they have. Okay. It's a new person, you know, yeah. first time. Yeah. I won't do that to them. Yeah. I mean, it's just, unless they're skin marks easily. It's like somebody mm-hmm. who has very sensitive skin or something. Mm-hmm. But I usually won't go too intense on the very first session that somebody ever has in their life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I have a female masochist that I work with. Mm-hmm. And she's into knife play mm-hmm. and blood play. And um, for her, in the moment, it's just sublime, but it's, it's feeling the, mm-hmm. the, the scars afterwards or watching them heal to her is also very comforting. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we were talking about that the other day, mm. how it's between sessions, it allows her to feel connected still. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. do people fall in love with you, Damiana? Yeah, some people do. Yeah. How do you handle that? Because people fall in love with me too, Mm -hmm. but they're not really. It's all just Mm -hmm. erotic transference or Mm -hmm. projection. Mm -hmm. Um, But they think they're in love. Yeah, very similar. Very similar, yeah. Or they bestow me with certain things that are unearned, right? Uh Uh-huh. How do you handle that? You know, I talk about it like, well, this is a, you know, you're in love with me on a mistress and slave type of love, you know, and... This is all like in session, you know. After session, we he he won't really talk about that. All the professing of love happens during session when Got it's it. really intense, and so um, so when he's in that slave role, I'll be in mistress role, and I'll say, you know, and I will allow you to be in love with me mm-hmm. from a you know as a slave to a mistress, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And does anyone ever become obsessed beyond the session? Have you had any problems? I have in the past, um, but those type of people I have uh, let go in my life because it's 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 too much energy for me to spend sure. on people like that. It's um, it's too draining. So, so you mentioned your personal slave who's here, yeah, the, through the glass. Uh-huh. In in the waiting room, um, do you have one personal slave? I have more than one personal slave, and I also have other slaves who I borrow from my mistress friends. Uh-huh. Um, for example, at my workshops and my parties, my very close mistress friends, um, my sister being one of my mistress friends, will lend me their personal slaves, and so I kind of have this little family of uh, of of um like a I call, harem I call, <laughs> like a yes. harem yeah yes they're you know i call them my they are part of my bdsm family so are my mistress friends mm-hmm. but um but yeah the the slave the slave stable is what we call it <laughs> <laughs> i love it yeah and you know they're very close to me very mm-hmm. dear mm-hmm. to me very important in my life and what about collar collaring so collaring is um something that i do to um 
you know, only those who I want with me forever. It's like a, it's like a marriage. Mm-hmm. So Slave Mike out in the living room who chauffeured me here, he is collared. Um, and I collared him after 17 years of being my slave. Wow. I didn't do it right away. Um, it's a real meaningful mm-hmm. privilege. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I only have um, currently three collared slaves at the moment. Okay. And for people who don't know what that means, can you explain a little Collared? Bit? Yes. It looks like a dog collar, but the slave collar has a metal ring uh, on the front of it. And, and it's used to put a leash on so that we can you know, drag them around by collar and leash. Um, and when, when I say I collared somebody, that means um, that there was, you know, usually a ceremony where I am officially collaring someone as belonging to me, and he is my property. I own him uh, like my property. He's my personal slave. Got so. it. Yep. Good. So I have worked with lots of men who've been collared, mm. uh, and some women who uh-huh. are collared as well. Yeah, I treat a woman who's dom wants to call her uh-huh. and she's holding out uh-huh. and there's something going on there. Her, her dom says she's topping from the bottom, mm-hmm. right? Can you explain what that means? <laughs> she's probably trying to tell it. Well, you know, I had, for example, I had one slave who, who wanted to be collared really, really bad. He just, <laughs> I want to be collared right now. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm so <laughs> devoted to you, mistress, right now. I'm like, you don't get it right now. Right. I get it when I say that I want it, you know. So that might be what's going on there. Okay. I don't know. Very, very interesting. <laughs> very, yeah. Topping by the bo- from the bottom means, you know, you're trying to control things. Yes, so. yes, exactly. And when you try to do that, usually the top will do something opposite of what the sub is trying to make happen. Right. Just to make a point. There's a new notion or... or um, premise in the BDSM community where it's the bottom that actually has the power and not the top. Are you familiar with this shift in thinking and what, how mm-hmm. would you address it? Well, I think I know what that means. Um, it's not new. Okay. So the bottom, they say, you know, the bottom is the one that's, uh, that, that is really in control. And that is, that's talking about um, the idea of consent you right, know, right. Um, Without their consent, it doesn't work. It yeah. Can, it, it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, in my relationships with my personal slaves who, who um, you know, we don't have, you know, the limits are taken away. It's a little bit different there. But if we talk about, like, let's say my clients that are coming to see me for pro sessions mm-hmm. and um, they have this list of what's okay and what's not okay, I'm not going to do anything on their not okay on their limits list. The submissive is actually the one in control of the session. I mean, even in lifestyle mm-hmm. relationships, because and can you explain just briefly for people who don't know what that means? Lifestyle, lifestyle. yeah, as opposed to a like li- uh-huh. s- sessions that you pay for. A lifestyle relationship is a couple who's engaged in BDSM in their personal life, not. Uh, you know, um, not just sexually or erotically, but it, the the power differential permeates the relationship in all domains. Correct? Is that fair? not necessarily? Okay, it's not necessarily twenty four seven. Okay, um, some people have that relationship. They might be husband and wife, 
you know, all the rest of the week, except for when the dom, let's say the dom is the, the woman. She says, you know, um, slave, we're going to have a session on Saturday night at eight o'clock. Be prepared. Got it. And that's the only time that they play Got it. Okay. that dynamic. So each couple negotiates their own version right. or contract. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. That, that's, thank you for explaining mm-hmm. that. So we were talking about um, consent and... Uh, Topping from the bottom. Right. And the other... So, for example, like if a client comes to me and he says, he, you know, he is not into marks or whatnot... And if I just start whipping him and giving him marks and because I want to do it, mm-hmm. and I said, you know what? You're my sub. You're my slave. I'm just going to do this to you because I want to. That's not okay. It's not okay. That's, that's why they say that the submissive is the one in control. Exactly. Because his limits are the one, his or her limits are the ones that we're, we're you know. Honoring. Um, honoring. Yes. And so we're, they're talking about consent when they, when they say that. Okay, mm-hmm. great. Well, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. It's you just too. fascinating. <laughs> Hopefully, you'll come back and meet with me again. I would we love can have to. a part two. Yes, um, I would love that. And I just you. can't wait for, for people to, to hear and be educated about this. It's one of my lifetime missions has been to kind of depathologize mm. mm-hmm. um, and demarginalize uh-huh. people with alternative sexual interests. And you have been the best ambassador I could have ever hoped oh, for thank you. to do well, that. I would love to be an advocate alongside you. Thank you so much. I'm honored. Yeah, I really feel uh, a connection. So the way I met you is because someone I know uses you and recommended you and and was just raving. And, and then I reached out and you were so kind as to, to, you know, be willing to do this, but yes, we should definitely keep in touch and support each other's work. I would love it. Thank you so much, Damiana. <laughs> it was you. such a pleasure and I will I had such have a good you. time. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Well, I sure hope that this interview was as enlightening for you as it was for me. Even though I've been treating members of the BDSM community for 25 years, I found Mistress Damiana's explanations into some of the psychology around this to be very fascinating. And as someone who's never personally participated in the lifestyle, I think that after interviewing Mistress Damiana, I will have deeper insight so that I can offer my patients an even more comprehensive opportunity to explore this lifestyle. If you have never heard of BDSM or have no frame of reference, let me know what you thought about this episode. Do you find this fetish to be deviant or off-putting? Do you find this lifestyle to to make sense and you can relate to it? Let me know your thoughts. If you're a member of the BDSM community and have anything to share or add, please let me know. Shoot me an email at Kimberly at sexsavvypodcast.com or you can leave a message on my confidential toll-free voicemail, 844-SEX-SAVVY. You've been listening to Sex Savvy. If you find value in this podcast, please like, follow, share, comment, or review on your favorite podcast app. 
Your participation helps keep Sex Savvy free and available to all who are interested. Kimberly and the entire Sex Savvy team appreciate your loyalty and support.